0: So perhaps you have noticed or thought about how the nature of happiness of our lives in this day and age, and maybe compared it to the past, to the lives of our grandparents or great-grandparents. And it really seems like they had more peace and happiness back then than we do now. Even though things weren't as developed as they are in this present moment and so have you observed this even though there's a lot of convenience there's very advanced technology where you can travel easily to places far away but the feelings in people's hearts are very agitated unsettled and hot that people find it very difficult to find peace and coolness in their minds and things just aren't the same as what they were before So in the Pālī language, the language that the Buddha used, um, there's this word loka or loko. And this word loka, it has two meanings. It can mean the world and it also means darkness. So the more that the world develops, the more the darkness develops. Even though externally there's a lot of bright lights, uh, people, having a lot of fun a lot of entertainment Uh, but inside people's hearts there's a lot of darkness there isn't much freshness there so in terms of the world people consider happiness to be fun but in terms of the religion this happiness comes from peace so when we talk to people in the world we need to be able to use both the language of the world in the language of Dhamma to be able to communicate as well because in worldly language uh, happiness is fun but in terms of our hearts within ourselves well in the language of the Dhamma then this happiness is peace within our hearts happiness that comes from entertainment and fun that this is a temporary happiness it doesn't last So we see that there's a lot of difficulty and uh, suffering in the world. And this is what the Buddha saw as a bodhisattva when he was the prince. That he left the palace and he saw the four deva dutas, the four heavenly messages of old age, sickness and death, and then a renunciant. And he saw just how much suffering was there and thought it would be better to leave. So in terms of worldly happiness, this entertainment and fun that we can't compare with him, that he had three different palaces, one for each season, there was a lot of uh, servants and uh, people helping him, he also had a son and a family, but still he left that situation in order to seek out this true happiness. Because he knew that worldly happiness doesn't last, that it flips over between happiness and suffering, happiness and suffering, and really the happiness is a little bit and the suffering is a lot. So there was a time when Venerable Ajahn Chah was alive, while he was still alive, and um, there was um, someone who took Uh, his child, his daughter, to see Ajahn Chah and said that his daughter was going to get married and so asked for a blessing for her. And so Ajahn Chah said, well, this word, family, if you're going to build a family or build a household, then really what that means is that you're being held in. That you've got this thing there which is constraining your freedom, you're being held in. And so that's using this word household um, in a wise way to be able to see into its uh, deeper meaning. If we have a lot of people, family with many members, um, it can seem like there's a lot of warmth there, but there's also a lot of deep worry there as well and concern so we took this word household and uh, was using that in this way so this is something that we can consider as well so perhaps many of you have had experiences of this maybe think that it's better to be by oneself and the life of the lay life it's a lot of difficulty and suffering um, all throughout the day, and there's just a bit of uh, enjoyment, pleasure that comes from it. That we want to be with good people. If we're finding a partner to be with, we want uh, someone who's very good, and we find someone who can be our partner in cultivating bhrama, kind of like our soulmate but even if we find that then there will be a lot of being tied down and being attached as well so when the buddha taught he taught in the middle way and he taught in a way that matched each occasion that he was teaching to so in one time he said that being familiar, or familiarity, is the highest uh, kind of relative. But then he also said that uh, being tied to things, or having this um, attachment, is the highest kind of suffering. So when the Buddha taught, he taught the middle path. So there was a time when Venerable Ajahn was, as a younger monk, was practising um, under Ajahn Chah's guidance and he wanted to gain quick success in his practice. But then Ajahn Chah taught well, the way, this middle way, the way, straight way of practising the Dhamma is not being involved in liking or disliking. And why is that? Well, it's because if we like something, then we become attached to the happiness of that. And then when it changes, we suffer. And maybe uh, we even don't want to be here in this world anymore. So as a businessman, who uh, he was saying that his business wasn't going so well. Uh, that normally he'd be getting a 50% profit but now he was just getting 10 or 20 percent. So he was saying that he was losing on his uh, investment, that he wasn't making any money. But really he still was making money. And so this is how people are in this world. So we need to be very intelligent and careful around our moods and our emotions. Because if we don't have that carefulness there, then can give rise to a lot of stress and agitation need to be someone who can rely upon themselves be a refuge unto ourselves but in order to be a refuge for ourselves we need to have the dhamma within ourselves as well so the buddha said that the dhamma is the highest wealth and why is that it's because the wealth that we have in the world that that relies upon our breath as soon as our breath stops then all of that wealth leaves us we just borrow these from these things from the world and then we have to return them to the world like when we're born we're not born with any money any wealth any clothes even And when we're born the family is very happy when they have a child that's born but then when that person dies then people cry but Ajahn Chah he said that it's right there at the same point that when we are born we apply for death but then when people are born we're happy when they pass away we're sad and we cry and so he said that Well, if we're going to cry at their death, we should really be crying at their birth, because when they're born, um, they're applying for death. And the Buddha said that each life that we take is suffering. So we can take this word household again and see how we're being held in by that. so, if we're for those who are already in the and already have a family then we need to be in that situa- situation situation a way that brings happiness that when we talk to the other members of our family we don't just talk using our moods and emotions we don't talk using our defilements and our conceit there was once a lay person who went to Ajahn Chah's monastery and, said, and asked for some blessed water. He said that he was finding it very difficult um, in his family, uh, that if, uh, he would often say uh, unpleasant things, and then other people would say difficult things to him. And then he would give rise to these moods. and so Chah gave him a bottle of water and said for him to recite buddho dammo sanko over that bottle of water and then when someone in his family said something to him that he didn't like then he should pour that water into his mouth but not swallow it just keep it there in his mouth so he'd just be there with his mouth full of water and smiling and wouldn't be able to say anything And then if he was just smiling back to them and not saying anything then there wouldn't be any difficulties or problems that would result from that situation so we need to have mindfulness in these difficult situations that if someone's angry towards us and we respond with anger then in truth we're worse than them but if we don't get angry in response, um, then we look after both ourselves and that person as well. So, if someone's angry with us, then we should try to, to not be angry in response. So, in the Mangala Sutta, the discourse on the blessings, the 38 highest blessings, um, the Buddha taught about how good speech is a blessing in our lives. And how do we know if, some, if speech is good or not? Well, there are five um, categories or five uh, requirements for good speech. So the first is that it has to be true. The second is has to be polite speech. The third is that it has to be beneficial. The fourth is that it has to come from metta, from a place of kindness and goodwill. And the fifth is that it has to be appropriate for time and place. So there's true speech, polite speech, beneficial speech, kind speech, and speech which is appropriate for time and place. And for it to be good speech, it can't be lacking in even one of those those things. So before we speak, we should reflect um, on that. And if we speak, Uh, using these principles um, then our speech will be good and so whatever it is that we do we need to try and have our mindfulness there and to be contemplating the Dhamma and using the Dhamma in our actions and really the Buddha taught about all these different facets of our lives and the duties that we have the duties that a husband has towards his wife and a wife towards the husband and then the duties between a teacher and their students and a uh, like a company owner, shop owner and their uh, employees, he taught about all these different facets. And when we do this, we need to maintain our mindfulness as well, knowing what it is that we're doing. Because just having wisdom isn't enough. And Ajahn Buddhadasa, he said that If we have wisdom but we're lacking in mindfulness, then that wisdom is Amara. So we need to have these faculties um, of mindfulness and wisdom, and then Sampajanya, this clear awareness, and Samadhi. So we need to ensure that we have a mindfulness there when we're using our wisdom so that we do things um, appropriate to time and place. And if we have that wisdom there then sampajanya uh, will come up as clear awareness. We also need to have a mind which is firm as well. Because if it's lacking in stability and firmness then it doesn't give results. It's like a sharp and heavy knife. Um, that it needs to have both that sharpness and that heaviness there so wisdom is the sharpness of that knife and samadhi is its weight but we also need mindfulness there too So this is something that's really important in our practice and this aspect of mindfulness and having wisdom and this gives us happiness in our lives. If we're able to find happiness in this, the world, in its uh, present state, then we're going to need to train to have a lot of mindfulness. So we try to keep our minds here in this present moment with whatever it is that we're doing whatever work, duties we're engaged in, right from the time that we wake up and when we move about, we go to brush our teeth, go to the bathroom, whatever it is that we're doing, we try to keep our mindfulness there with us. And if we forget, um, then we can return to that activity again. So like if we're drinking a cup of water, but then we remember that we weren't mindful when we picked that glass up, then we put the glass down again and then pick it up mindfully again. We made some coffee for ourselves and we're not mindful when we pick up the coffee, then we put it down and pick it up again. So when we do this, then our mindfulness becomes constant. That initially it's just like drops of water. But as we carry on and turn that mindfulness into a steady stream, We open up the tap even more, Um, then it turns into this stream of mindfulness and this quality of Sampajanya comes up as well, this clear awareness. We're able to have mindfulness constantly in the present moment, so that it turns into the stream of mindfulness. Because the time during the space of a day that we spend chanting and meditating, it's usually not a huge amount so having mindfulness during the day is something that's really important and that's something that we should emphasize this mindfulness in the present moment with whatever we're doing with our lives uh, at work and our family lives that we need to have mindfulness there so we have one thing is our mind, the other thing is our meditation object and the next is mindfulness and all of these need to come together we need to tie all of these together because if we don't have these principles and foundations for our hearts then we'll have to meet with so many different sense impressions and moods and emotions in our lives in the world And it will be difficult for us to find happiness in that state. So we need to cultivate mindfulness in order to find that happiness. But also don't spend too much time engaged in worldly things as well. Because if we're out in the world a lot, then we know a lot. If we use social media a lot, then we know a lot of things. But really our hearts don't gain any true knowledge from that so we just use these things just enough just to be able to maybe fix some boredom that we have and then put it down and just enough so i'd like to say just this much for this morning and may all of you uh, grow in the dhamma i hope that this talk was beneficial for you and uh nibbana may this be a cause for nibbana